0: hey my friend ready for a riddle sure bring it what has three eyes and is smarter than my fifth grader (laughs) what you're talking nonsense again i'm talking about the iphone 13 pro it has three cameras eyes Ah. right and it's really really smart
1: okay now you're making sense the new iphone is amazing but is it really smarter
0: than your fifth grader I can't know for sure until the test results are in, but my money's on the phone. This thing is brilliant. It sure is. A
1: lot of people are saying that. Uh, You know, the camera systems in the iPhone 13 Pro have been blowing my mind. I think we need to photocombobulate this. Time for the music, baby. The latest phone from Apple is an incredibly complicated piece of technology.
0: We each have one, and we've been using them a lot.
1: And now we're ready to talk about how these little phones may be the best cameras we own. This is PhotoCombobulate, and
0: I'm Jeff Carlson. And I'm Mason Marsh.
1: So here's the situation. Before we went on our epic road trip that was in our previous episode, we each received the new iPhone 13 Pro. I ordered the regular-sized one, the only sensible-sized one. You ordered the larger iPhone 13 Pro Max. It was really fortuitous because we were able to take this on our trip, and I don't know about you, I shoot with my phone quite a bit. But I was really, really impressed on this trip by the quality of the shots we were getting. I sort of assumed that, okay, yes, you know, you, you take a backup shot with your phone every once in a while. I do that a lot so that I can record the GPS location so that I know where my other shots have been captured. But I would take a shot and sort of pause and be amazed at the quality. So I think that's why we're here because it's not just oh we got new phones that have new cameras which happens every year. Apple releases these every year and of course it's always the best ones yet. I was really blown away by what these were doing and felt like a lot of the the commentary beforehand and when it was first released was kind of like oh yeah it's, it's a good update but nothing you know really dramatic.
0: And I'm starting to think it's really dramatic. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm blown away. You know, it really is amazing. The um, I'm, I'm having a hard time even articulating how surprised I am and how much I am enjoying this phone. It's my ninth iPhone. We were looking back at you know how many photos we've taken with these camera phones over the years, you know, the original iPhone, which I have one right here. The original uh-huh. iPhone was <laughs> launched in 2007, so we've we've been using these iPhones for quite a while as cameras. But the part that really surprised me with this update with the 13 Pro is just how much more fun and how much more I hate to use the word professional because it's not it's not there, right? It uh, you know, you're not going to shoot formal portrait sessions or something with your iPhone. You could but you're not going to make giant prints and have them look as good as you would with a quote unquote real camera. But yeah. Yeah. Most Although of the people f- do. People do, yeah. But yeah. most of the photos that I take with my with my phone are those photos that I wouldn't t- have time to grab my real real camera or I wouldn't mm-hmm. t- take the time to carry it with me everywhere I go. I'm not one of those people that has a camera over their shoulder all the time probably because I have a good one in my pocket. And now I have one in my pocket that's actually better in some cases than my quote unquote real camera. And on this trip, we had numerous occasions where we would be out shooting on a tripod with our big cameras and we would reach in our pockets and pull out these, these iPhones and do taking photos while our other cameras are taking photos. And that says a lot to me about, how much fun the iPhone is to use. And I don't want to understate how important it is to have a camera that you enjoy using. And Apple's done a magnificent job of creating that for us, I think with the iPhone.
1: Yeah. One of the things that struck me as I've been looking through my photos is, and I don't think this is necessarily new or different, but it's just more pronounced is that as I'm looking through, say my Lightroom library, the ones that I shot with my iPhone are not immediately popping out as oh that's an iPhone shot that's a, a you know a Fuji shot. Some of them are there, there are some characteristics of the iPhone. It tends to be a little more green, a little warmer, mm-hmm. I think, than certainly than than my Fuji or, or you know the, the way I was shooting my Fuji, but they don't stand out like they used to. It, it used to be you would look you'd be like yeah this is obviously an iPhone shot, and there are some points like when we were in the bristlecone pine forest. There are some of those shots where I have to go and I have to look at the metadata or I have to open it up on a you know on a sort of larger screen on my computer in order to tell which one was which mm-hmm. and that's I mean that's amazing, yeah, so I think that there are definitely professional applications to this I know that there are people who do this for nearly all of us, we're just going to be taking snapshots of everyday life. And we're going to be taking pictures of like those side pictures, like you said, when we're out being photographers, quote unquote, and the beauty of this, I think not just the image quality, but the beauty of it and the beauty of the iPhone in general, in terms of the photography is that you don't really have to do anything. Mm Mm-hmm you compose you push the button and it takes a shot yeah we'll put some samples in the show notes i have a couple of examples when we were shooting those bristlecone pines and part of what you had to do with the traditional camera was have it sit on a tripod set a really long exposure we were doing sometimes 20 30 second exposures to pick up the light in the sky and because it was it was dark it was I think a little bit of moonlight, maybe, but it was a dark, dark scene. And so while the camera was shooting, I'd pull out my iPhone, take a quick snap, and it would be almost as good as, as what the other camera was doing.
0: Yeah. In preparation for this episode, I wanted to kind of step back and take a long look at iPhone photos over the years and just see how far it's come because it's real easy to get caught up in the new technology and get really... People accuse us of being fanboys, right? Because we get a new iPhone every year, that sort of thing. Right. The truth is, I have really nice Sony cameras that shoot really high-resolution photos. And when I pull out one of those cameras and I put it on a tripod or I'm out shooting on the street and just carrying it around, the process in my mind for making photos is very analytical. It's very involved. There's a craft involved, I guess, is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. It's a totally different process when I pick up the iPhone. It's fun. It is you know, much more uninhibited. As a photographer, I'm not thinking about, well, I've got to make sure all of these things are just right because I've given up a big measure of control with the iPhone (laughs) because it's so good. It's so good at taking lots of shots and making a good one out of them. You know, all this AI and all this machine learning that the Phone does, it's really kind of unleashed some creativity in me that I do I don't think I would have if I was using a regular camera. And and we can probably break Hmm. this down even more. But I, I just want to say if I have to choose between using my quote unquote real camera and using my iPhone, it's going to depend on what I'm doing and what I'm going to do with that image. If I'm going to make a big print or I want to make, you know, something really grand with it, I'm not going to use my iPhone for that. But if it's something I'm going to share on Instagram or email to, you know, my parents to show pictures of the kids, things like that, they're going to look at it on their phones or their iPads. And Mm -hmm. the iPhone actually does a better job of presenting that image. I would have to work really, really hard on my Sony images to make them digestible for, you know, these quick and easy, I guess is the right word, types of consumables. So when we're sending out photos on Facebook or putting out photos on Twitter or Instagram, most of the time those are going to be seen on another device, not a big Mm -hmm. computer screen and certainly not printed out, right? right? So it really makes sense to use the iPhone for that purpose because it is built and designed and brilliantly engineered to produce images that look great on other phones and other devices.
1: Yeah. And you take into account that the photos that the iPhone is making, most of the time, they're HDR photos. So it's able to get a, a greater dynamic range. And that's going to be viewed on, most likely, somebody's iPad or iPhone, which has an HDR screen and can take advantage of that. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it really pops. Um, and and then when you try to print it, you're like, why is everything so muddy? Oh, right, right, right. but Yeah. Uh, that's that's a whole other thing.
0: Well, and I, th- I think it's important to mention that this is not replacing my my Sony cameras. Oh, man. Yeah. You just ruined our whole hook. <laughs> well, you know, A lot of people are like, oh, is this, throwing a, out- is this a game changer? Like, no, it's not a game changer. <laughs> it it just makes the game more fun. Right? So I... Oh,
1: see, I... I <laughs> I want to have like I thought the thing that we were supposed to do is be like you know what I bought this iPhone 13 Pro and now I'm gonna sell all my gear yeah I'm, I'm rid of all everything. my all yeah. my camera gear and this is gonna be the only thing and then in a month then you buy all your gear back again but yeah
0: I think that people who go down that road who talk that way are you know they're they're playing a game. Right. They're yeah. not, they're not really being serious. I think that they're chasing traffic. Yeah. They're, they're clicking, they're looking for those clicks, right? This camera, this iPhone is always with me. Right. And yep. there's that famous, you know, Chase Jarvis, the best cameras, the one you have with you, that sort of mindset,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that is true to a great degree. But if I'm going to take a road trip down to the Sierras and going to be taking pre-sunrise photos of half dome, you know, get up at four o'clock in the morning. I am not going to just bring an iPhone for that. Yeah, You know, yeah. I'm, I am a photographer. <clears throat> you know, I'm not playing around. I do want to make <laughs> really brilliant images that hold up to whatever I want to do with them. That said, there's a lot of times where I don't need to do that. Taking photos of my kids is probably the best example A lot of my iPhone photos are family documentation, right? We're carving Mm -hmm. pumpkins the other day. And so I'm like, hey, I've got this phone in my pocket. I'm going to take it. I wouldn't have gotten up and said, hang on, everybody. I'm going to clean my hands. (laughs) I'm going to go get my camera out of the closet and I'm going to put a lens on it. And I'm going to make sure the battery's in it and an SD card. And I'm going to come back in here. Yeah, everybody just (laughs) just hold what you're doing. I come back in and make sure my ISO set right and do all this thinking. With the iPhone, it's just like, hey, everybody look. Okay, now we yeah. go back to what we're doing. And yeah. it's tough. It's waterproof. It does a great job of making these images, like we've mentioned a few times already. We're going to bang yeah. that drum a lot. But the fact that it is so easy to make images, and it, I don't have to turn on my photographer brain to make them look good.
1: Well, I know people who have actually taken their iPhones on vacation. Um, you know, my, my wife, she went on a trip with her mom to uh, Eastern Europe a couple of years ago. And she she just did not want to carry her camera around. Mm-hmm. And so she got an iPhone 11 Pro. And, and actually one of the reasons that she got it, not only because she had an older phone before, was because it had the telephoto lens. So she had a little bit of reach. Sure. It's not enough to really take a picture of you know, a monument that's across the river or whatever. But she was very happy with the pictures that she got. She documented the trip, had some great photos that she, you know, sent to her mom and we we printed some out, you know, just snapshot sized. It was perfect and it was there mm-hmm. and it was completely unobtrusive, Yeah, which I think is a huge part of this because as you said, you're not going to use that when you're standing looking over Half Dome at, for a sunrise Shoot, but you know what? You are and you did because it's not like you have to set up a whole another camera. You just pull it out of your pocket, you know. And maybe you have a second tripod for it, or like a little stand or something like you know. You could probably do something like that. But the whole point is, you can just use it wherever. I remember I I reviewed an like an old version of I think Capture One Pro. And at the time, it did not have support for iPhone photos. I think it was when when Apple switched to the HEIF uh, format. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kind of dinged them for it because it's like, look, photographers are going to use iPhones. And the pushback was, well, yes, I suppose they are, but... Not real photographers, Not like, real photographers. Like, like there was a real kind of snootiness to it mm-hmm. um, maybe i'm I'm remembering it more dramatically, but <laughs> um, <clears throat> that was the impression that I got i don't want to you know say anything mean toward them, but photographers do use these cameras and they use them a lot, even if it's just they want to figure out a composition they want to get a record of what this looks like here at this time, maybe they're scouting, maybe they're you can no longer just sort of separate them as, well, here's the little toy that makes pictures, and then here's my camera gear. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's good enough to pass, which is kind of amazing. I, I don't know. We're spending a whole lot of time just talking about how it's blowing our minds. And right. I want to get into some details, but I hope people understand that it does seem like something has shifted.
0: It's something has definitely shifted. And in my mind, it's very clear that 90% of the time, my iPhone's going to be the right choice mm-hmm. you know, for day-to-day living. And I heard an interesting thing in a podcast here just this morning where the, the person was talking about how someone had done a study and 75% of the people that were surveyed could touch their iPhone without moving their feet 24 hours a day. Wow. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I thought about that for a second, like, oh, that's absurd. And I thought, well, no, I'm, I could, that's me. I, mine is always within arm's reach at night. It's on the nightstand charging and I get up in the morning to go on my walk. I grab my watch. I grab my iPhone. I get dressed. I go out the door. I have my iPhone with me. You know, it's always there because it's not just a phone. It's not just a camera. It's, it's a bunch of other things. Right. I don't really need a phone for most of the day. <laughs> right. And I don't really need a camera all that often. But the fact that it does so many things makes it indispensable as a tool in my life. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's going to always be at my side, which means I always have a good camera. And I think that's the I think that's what we're trying to say, is that when we are out to make a photograph and we're deliberate and we're like, I'm going to go out today and make a photograph. Of course, you're going to bring your big backpack full of camera gear. Yeah. And you're going to go out and you're going to turn on that part of your brain and you're going to engage in the photographic process as an all-consuming flow state sort of exercise, right? Yeah. I'm talking about the 99% of the rest of our lives when we're not doing that. And we still want to make a great photo without making it stop the whole world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, our life doesn't have to come to a screeching halt as we haul <laughs> our gear out
1: hang on, hang on. When I take photos, the world stops, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I teach a lot of travel photography classes and over the years it's, it's been, yeah. If you have your phone with you, uh, your iPhone with you, or you you could substitute any smartphone with a decent camera. Yeah. If you have this phone with you in a lot of circumstances, that's the best device to use for making photos when you're traveling. Now with the iPhone 13 pro, I would, Tell people, if you're going on a trip and you're going to buy a new camera for that trip, consider this iPhone as your camera. And it was—it would have been hard for me to say that in years past. I mean, the 12 was great. The 11 was great. They all were great. But now yeah. they're getting to the point where maybe they're the best choice, depending on what you're going to do. Especially, and I'm going to put a big old asterisk on this, <laughs> especially if you are not someone Who wants to spend a lot of time doing photography. You just want to document your trip. Mm -hmm. You want to document your life. Use an iPhone, please, because it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And you're going to be able to make better images with less effort. Just, well, it's that easy.
1: And I think that also translates to when you get home from your trip, because you may not be the type of person who wants to edit a lot of photos. You know when we go on our photo trips or we're intentional, I do it with the knowledge that I am going to spend a lot of time later editing my photos, and I shoot that way, and I know how to compensate for dark skies and bright skies all that kind of stuff, but that makes me sort of weird. Mm-hmm. I am not normal in terms of the population, and so most people they don't want to come home and be like, oh, "I have to go and edit." you know, 500 pictures that I took. No, they just want to show, okay, this is a good one. This is a good one. That one's not so good. I can get rid of that. And I'm going to send these five to my brother. Mm -hmm. You know, that'll just be it. The other thing I wanted to mention is having the little camera with you. Two things, because one of the things that you mentioned before we started recording is you have a little Fuji X100 VX... (laughs) (laughs) X-E4. X-E4, okay. (laughs) I couldn't remember which one it's it was. It's a little but, Fuji. Yeah, it's one of the little ones. It's one of the little ones and it, it, that is designed to be something that you can put in your pocket, carry around. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you really great images, et cetera, et cetera. But you're not using it very much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think right now you're using it as a webcam. Mm-hmm. And, so, and you're doing it because you have the iPhone that's going to require a lot less work. And there's also the point that I'm finally getting to, which is... This amazing social thing where because everybody has a phone, because everybody is shooting photos with their phones, there's not nearly the same kind of stigma that you would see if you were to take even your tiny little Fuji and put it up and try to take a picture. That seems like the unusual thing now. But mm-hmm. if somebody is taking pictures with their phones,
0: we don't even notice. Well, we don't even think about it. Yeah. So no. let's break that down. I, let's do it. First point. And I want to mention it and then I want to set it aside for a second and get to, get to the second one <laughs> and then come back to the first point. So bear with me. This,
1: this is going to be one of those episodes yeah. where you're like.
0: <laughs> the first point is the digital asset management and the, the ease of sharing your images from the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And how that's yes. made the whole process very, very easy for us. I want to get back to that. The second one is this un- obtrusive nature of a camera. As a former photojournalist, and you know, in my bones, I'm still a photojournalist. The instant you bring out a camera, people change, and sometimes that's fine. Sometimes it ruins everything. I am one who does not want to be obtrusive when I have a camera around. I don't want people to notice me. I don't want people to change what they're doing. I don't want people to to pose and to print. Yeah. And there's times where if I'm doing portraiture, of course, that's different. But in day to day photography, if I take out my camera, it's different. Now, here's a great example. This last weekend, I went and shot uh, my kids' soccer games. It was the last kind of weekend of soccer this fall. Mm-hmm. And I brought my Sony with the 100, 400 memory lens on a monopod. And I looked like, you know, a photographer. And everybody was like, oh my God, look at that guy's big camera. And oh, I had several people make comments like, you must get great photos with that. And oh, how much, how close can you see it with that? And there's, Almost a part where people were like, are you here with a kid? <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, like there's a guy with a big camera and the people's kind of shields went up a little bit. Yeah. If I was standing there with my iPhone, no one would even bat an eye. They wouldn't even turn towards me. I'm invisible nope. with an iPhone. The fact that I can now make decent photos in almost every situation with an iPhone and in some cases make better photos than I would with a real camera is really stunning. The fact that I can switch over and do a real quick shot of video, I can do a time-lapse, I can do slow motion, I can do all this fun yeah. stuff with a camera that nobody really thinks of as a camera is, to me, it's magical. Now, I do want to go back uh, and talk about the digital asset management. Wait, yep. Be, be,
1: before you get to that, I, I want to point out one spec. And and We are not going to just sort of like rattle off all the specs, but occasionally I think we need to, because Mm -hmm. your example is perfect. One of the very nice things that I've really been enjoying with the iPhone 13 Pro is the telephoto lens, Mm. because it now has a 3x reach. It's a 77 millimeter equivalent lens. and. That actually does get you quite a lot of reach in terms of shooting something that's far away, like your kid scoring a goal mm-hmm. or you know, things like that. And before the fact that, that things were far away, that was definitely a liability with phones. I mean they're the small ends of small sensors. Mm-hmm. even though at first it felt really weird because the the 12s had a 2x, lens and the 13s have a 3x and i sort of found myself thinking whoa whoa, too close like i need to move back if i want to use this i've been using that 3x lens so much because i can i I can get to things even things that are closer i don't have to you know get down on the ground if i don't want to so that has been a really nice improvement and i think anybody who, who likes to use the telephoto that would be one reason to consider moving to the 13 Pro because mm-hmm. you're you're getting that, that telephoto uh, framing, but you're getting it optically. Yeah. You're not relying on digital
0: zoom, which can muddy things up. Yeah. The image quality really suffers as soon as you use digital zoom. So, yeah.
1: Okay. So digital asset minute.
0: Well, before you go, though, you reminded me of something. So we're going to stay on this for just a second. <laughs> We're never, we're we're never going to, we're never going to get around to it. Trust me. I got my, got my finger on that. I'm just gonna hold it there for a second. So I want people to understand if you haven't updated your iPhone in years and a lot of my friends are saying I'm my iPhone, eight. my wife, my iPhone eight is still fine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a phone that has one camera. Now they have three. And I think it's worth mentioning, you you mentioned the long lens, the telephoto. I have a hard time calling it a telephoto because it's only 77 millimeters. To me, that's small, short telephoto. But
1: For phone telephoto. It's a
0: phone telephoto, but it's a perfect length for portraits. It's a perfect length for pictures of people's faces. It's a great length for lots and lots of things. Mm -hmm. But I'm also carrying a camera that has an ultra wide angle lens. We're talking a 13 millimeter equivalent, which is crazy, but it's also been distortion corrected. So it looks good. It's yeah. super wide, but it doesn't look crazy. Uh, and then the regular lens, the, what they call the wide lens, which I consider the standard lens is 26 millimeter. And that's a sweet spot for me. I think that lens is nearly perfect for almost everything I do. But the fact that I have three cameras in my pocket is <laughs> stunning and it's not three lenses. I, uh, people need to understand this, that, that, Yeah, the Apple technology and one of the things that makes this camera system so amazing and so mind-boggling is that all three of these lenses, all three of these cameras, are working together. If I went back ten years in time and sat down with myself and said, you know, did this kind of sit at the kitchen table with myself and say, "Listen, you're going to have a phone someday that's going to have three cameras in it, and they're all going to be twelve megapixel cameras, and they're all going to have bright lenses." nice, nice, bright lenses. Mm-hmm. They're going to do well in low light. They're going to do well in bright light. They're going to have HDR capabilities. I'd be like, come on, how big is that phone going to be? <laughs> it's going to be the size of a, a brick. It's incredible to me that I have all these choices in one phone and all it takes is tapping a, a little icon on the screen to change cameras. If it was my real camera, I'd be digging in the bag, you know, swapping out lenses and hang on a second, everybody. (laughs) And here we have these, these three things. So I I don't want to gloss over the fact that we're not just talking about one camera anymore. We're talking about all these choices, all these choices. So digital asset management, goodness gracious. (laughs) So digital asset management and to go back into our photo lingo episode, this is where we're talking about what do we do with our files once we've made them, right? What do we do with our images once we've made them? What Apple has done, which I just love, and sometimes it, as a kind of OCD, overorganized person, it, it drives me a little bit crazy, but I will say this. I've never lost a photo, so it's good. It's okay. okay. I can get past the, the confusing parts of this sometimes, but if I take a photo with my iPhone and I'm near a cell tower or Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. I'm getting a backup made right away. It's going to the cloud right away. And I just love that. I love the fact that I don't have to worry about losing a card or having a card get corrupted or anything like that, that I have instantaneous uh, image backup. So as far as that first rule of digital asset management, which is, you know, one is none and two is one, Mm -hmm. you got two, you got one in the cloud, one in the phone, almost right away. Yeah. Then all of my other devices are going to get that photo. So my iPad's going to have it, my Computer at home's going to have it. I can even look at it on my Apple TV. It's yep. really, really amazing how quickly that photograph gets propagated through my ecosystem at home. But if I'm out in the field or I want a trip like the, our trip to the Sierras and we're sitting in a coffee shop and I want to share a photo I made with my big camera, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to sit and work on it. Right. Cause I shoot in raw. So I'm going to have to bring it into Lightroom, going to have to process it, going to have to export it. And then I'm going to have to <laughs> send it to whatever social media I've chosen mm-hmm. or to someone directly as a text. The phone, it's like hit that box with the arrow coming up out of it and it's gone. Yeah. It's just done. And the fact that we can share our lives with our loved ones and with our friends so quickly. It has changed the world and I I don't think it can be overstated. It's got its ups and downs, but I know, unfortunately, I know what some, some of my friends eat for dinner every day, right? Because (laughs) of this, but I also know how their kids are doing as they're growing up. Then I know what they did on their vacation. And I see people a lot and I say, Hey, I barely know you. Like the guy who cuts my hair, who I really like, he's a great guy. I barely know him, but because he takes good photos with his iPhone and puts them on Facebook, I know what he did on his vacation. And when I see him, we have something to talk about. And it's mm-hmm. it's greased the wheels of social interaction, I think.
1: Yeah. This is something that you and I did a lot when we were on our trip, because we would either take pictures that we liked, or uh, you were taking pictures of me and I was taking pictures of you. And so we'd stop at a coffee shop and just use airdrop to just fire off five or six photos to the other person yeah, and not have to think about it again mm-hmm. which was fantastic you're know, yeah. just all right here's the thing you looked really goofy in this shot here we go and and then you have it and that that was it the ease is really understated i think because so much of this is easy now I almost wonder how difficult is this making it for the rest of the the photo industry. I don't want to get too deep into this because the photo industry is definitely hurting because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> do you remember point and shoot cameras? Yeah. No, nobody remembers them now. And because... by photo industry,
0: you're talking about camera makers, right? Camera so makers, Nikon, yeah. Those guys. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. But but also, you know that that sense of people who, if they wanted to take better pictures, they would make that next step. They'd be like, okay, now I'm going to get a camera and a lens and I'm going to learn the fundamentals and all of that. Is the quality of the phone sort of dissuading people from, from learning
0: that? I would say it is definitely discouraging people from buying real cameras. And yeah. by, I mean, I'm always putting those finger quotes around real cameras because yeah. I do believe the, the iPhone is a real camera. Yeah. It's seeing light and it's recording data. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real camera. It. Is definitely killing everything but the high-end camera market. Yeah. And I, you know, this XE4 that I'm using as my webcam is a great example. It's a brilliant little camera. But why in the hell would you buy it? (laughs) You know, unless you unless you really wanted to have microscopic control over every bit of the photographic process, there's no reason to buy a real camera. And so if you're a person like you and I, who enjoys the photographic process and wants to have that minuscule control and wants to go and pick exactly what's focused and what's not, and have mm-hmm. you know all this control. If that's what you want, then it's it's still a great time to go out and buy cameras. They're making some amazing cameras out there. It's a it's yeah. a wonderful time to buy camera technology. But if you're someone who just wants to make photographs of your trip and you like photographs, but you don't want to be a photographer. Yeah. The iPhone is brilliant because you're actually going to make much better pictures with that than you would with your point and shoot. When we're talking about this, it reminded me back in college one summer, I worked as a photo developer in a big photo lab in Seattle. Mm. And all that I did all day was mount slides into Slide mounts. So I had this machine and I would see a roll of film every, you know, 30 seconds or so is as, as flying through. And I got to see all the photos as they went by <laughs> the brilliance of, of film days is somebody was going to see your shots no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, but I'm mounting these and I was always amazed at how many rolls would come through and it would start with Christmas and progress through the summer.
1: Yeah, And then
0: end with Christmas. And so 36 exposures was an entire year for that person. Yep. And I think about there's a lot of people like that, that they take. My wife is like that. I don't, she doesn't need to take photos very often. I usually have it covered, but yeah. she takes a handful here and there. So why would she need a camera? You know, why, what mm-hmm. would, that's just not smart buying a camera and carrying it around and worrying about it. And so yeah. if you're one of these one roll a year type of people, The iPhone has now made it easier for you to make photographs and share them and enjoy them. That is good for photography. I would argue that the iPhone being the world's most popular camera now Mm -hmm. is is very, very good for photography because people appreciate the visual image more, even though it's a much more accessible commodity. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. All right. So... Before people start to think that 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 we like the iPhone, I don't think we've made that clear yet. Why don't we break down some of the reasons why this one in particular is standing out? Great. What makes it exceptional? And I would like to start off with one of the things that stands apart, other than the telephoto lens that I mentioned. One of the things about the iPhones, and this has been the case for a while, but it's even more pronounced now— And I think a thing that really influences people when they're looking to upgrade, maybe somebody has an older phone, an 8 or a 10, and they're like, yeah, it takes fine pictures. What do I need this for? And I'm going to tell you low-light photography. And I say that, and you probably think, oh, you're taking pictures outside in the dark at night, or maybe you're trying to get pictures of the stars, uh, which... (laughs) Heretofore was almost impossible within the last like couple of years with with a smartphone, but low light photography is really pretty much any indoor photography, unless it's something that's exceptionally well lit or you're standing outside in the sun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cameras love light. We we know this, and especially cameras that have such tiny tiny sensors really need a lot of light, and was just generally accepted that if you were taking pictures and it was at all dark, it was going to be muddy or noisy or gross and you just wouldn't even bother. Mm-hmm. And now, somebody who's moving from an old phone and picking up one of these, we have a number of things that, that makes low-light photography really spectacular. Part of it is the the camera and the lens. So that that wide camera has a, a wider aperture, I think it's F1.5, which is pretty bright. Mm -hmm. And there's the other side of it, which is the night mode, which is the processing that the phone is doing to sort of use all the available light and then boost it. And that really amazes me Mm -hmm. that Apple's been able to make this work so well. Because what it's doing is it's taking a whole bunch of different shots. Every time you take a picture with your phone, it's actually capturing a bunch of shots and then melding them all together. With the low light and the night mode stuff, it even lets you take a long exposure. It'll say, all right, you have two seconds, hold still. And you can hold still. You can maybe not hold super still, and it will still get a nice clean shot because it's taking so many images and blending them together. And... Again, this is one of those things where you can grab your phone and take a really good shot inside without having it completely be a blurry streak because your camera was trying to compensate by setting a really low shutter speed. Hmm. You know, or you have to manually crank up your ISO in order to you know boost the all of that stuff. I'm getting tired even just mentioning those things because it's like, okay, I I can take a picture with my phone or I can do these seven other things with, with my other camera and the low light and the night is just amazing. Here we are again. Wow. This is just amazing. It is amazing
0: ever. So I want to add something about night mode, Jeff, and I, I actually tested this this morning. I knew we were going to be doing this episode today and I wanted to take a couple shots on my walk this morning. And it's pretty dark when I do my walks. And so I'm walking along and I'm just walking down the street and we still have some fall color. The windstorm we just had didn't knock all the leaves out of the trees and their streetlights were shining down through the trees. And I was just walking at a full speed walk and I did night mode photos as I was walking and they turned out. I'll put one in the show notes. Up until that point, I thought, oh, I'm using night mode. I have to really hold that phone still because the photography in me, says stability. If you can put on a tripod, you'll get a sharper shot. Apple's figured out a way by taking those multiple images, they lock objects in, you know, this, this AI, (laughs) this neural engine is processing all of this data in the photo saying that's a static object. We're going to keep it sharp. And that's, you know, moving and we can let that blur. And it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliantly creative to be able to make a long exposure photo while moving and have it look like something that's not just smudgy light colors, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, the other thing I found really interesting, and this was something that you could do with the 12 Pro cameras, but they've really stepped it up in the 13 Pro, and that's the use of LiDAR, oh, right? And yeah. I don't know if people understand this, is something we don't talk about enough. LiDAR is a laser-emitting device that maps objects that are close to the lens and provides precise focusing distances for that camera, DJI just announced a new video camera last week that has a LiDAR emitter on it. And it's a big module. It's a box. It sits above the lens. And it's sitting there spitting out all these little (laughs) laser lasers. It's crazy. It's lasers. It's space age, right? Well, on the back of the iPhone, there's this little LiDAR emitter. It's one of the little circles. It's not a lens, right? And that LiDAR emitter, if you're taking a portrait in low light, let's say it's your kids blowing out their candles on a birthday cake. That's going to be right in focus because while the camera might be able to nail focus on that with the light that's available, it's a crapshoot sometimes. But with LiDAR, bam, you got it. Now, I can't do that with my Sony camera that costs $3,000. I can't emit lasers. (laughs) I can't (laughs) shoot lasers at stuff, Jeff. So I think that this night mode, it's more than just doing long exposures. It's more than, like you said, it's not like trying to take star photos. It's anything that you're doing in low light. They have figured out ways to, to bypass the technological limitations of optics and sensors by additive processing, you know, putting lots of photos together by using LIDAR, by using all of this tech. They are allowing us fumbling idiots to take good photos (laughs) in low light, which is stunning. It's just stunning.
1: It is. It is stunning.
0: So I want to talk about something that both of you and I played around with a lot on the trip, and that's the macro capability
1: of this
0: uh, set of
1: cameras. So I think this is one of the things that really makes this stand out. This is something that's only on the iPhone 13 Pro, and it sounds like, You know, okay, yeah, you can get close up pictures. And then you start using it and you get closer and you get closer and you get closer and things are still in focus. And here we are back to our brains being blown because there were literally times when we would take pictures. When you and I shoot together, we rarely stand next to each other. We're all, you know, we're off like finding Mm -hmm. our own compositions and stuff. And there were a couple of times when I would like take a picture and then find you and be like, look, look at this. Look what it did. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never really been drawn to macro photography. But the beauty of it is now when I'm walking around, and particularly because it's fall in Seattle and there mm-hmm. are lots of rain-dappled leaves. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now... I'm the guy who's like on a walk, like, oh, I need to stop and get really close to these bushes and these leaves, this, this, all the stuff that's in the gutter. You know, I probably look like crazy men trying to take these little macro pictures. And as you can tell in my voice, I am absolutely
0: loving it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's I probably so much just fun. Took, I probably just
1: took all the things that you were going to say.
0: No, I mean, I'm gonna echo that right now. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm the crazy guy too, walking down the sidewalk this morning. There's a tree near my house that has these little red berries on it and they're all wet because it's been rainy. And so I'm, I'm there and the branch is blowing in the wind. So I'm holding the branch and I'm, and, uh-huh. you know, right up against the berries with my camera and I'm getting these cool wide angle macro shots. Now, this is something that if people are listening and they, they do macro photography with their big cameras, you do not understand that if you're doing macro photography, There's all kinds of things that you need to control to make those shots work. You got to have an object that's not moving. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. need to be locked down with your camera so that you can nail that focus, right? And a lot of times with macro in big cameras, we're doing manual focus. So we find that kind of sweet spot and we focus and it's very slow and deliberate process. Not everything can be slow and deliberate, if you want to do close-up photography, maybe it's a bug on a a rock (laughs) and you want to get a quick shot of that. Maybe it's just something fun that you saw. Like you want to take a picture of some water droplets on the leaf laying on the ground as you're walking by. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stop and set up all your diffusers and lights and tripod and macro focusing rail and all of these different things. (laughs) You can just reach down and go bing and get it. And it makes it so much fun because it's not work. It's just fun. And to me, it's, it's still photography, but it's it's a whole new world when you can get that close to the, the subject because you can be really creative with your compositions. You can be really creative with forced perspective, you know, really strange kind of, you know, having something object be really big and have the background objects be really small. You know, really have fun with this. And I come back around to this with this camera. It's fun to make photos with this. It's not work. It's just fun. And this macro mode was just one more thing they gave us. Now, here's on my wish list for iPhone 14. I wish that the longer lens, the telephoto had this capability. Yeah. Because there's sometimes where I want to get a shot of that red berry on the branch, but to get it really big in the frame, I've got to get the lens right up against it. And the phone itself is affecting the shot. It's blocking the sun or blocking the light. Right. So I would love to have this macro capability in a future release on all the lenses, not just the ultra wide.
1: Yeah. The thing that's allowing that is the, the ultra wide has a really close focusing distance. And so that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things about the, the macro mode is that it's automatic. And in fact, when the first reviews came out, people were really disturbed because there was this this shift where if you're using the wide lens, the 1X lens, and you move close to something, the phone makes the decision, oh, you must be trying to do a macro shot. So it would switch to that wide lens and put you in the quote-unquote macro mode. And that bugged a lot of people in practice. Once I actually saw it in action, I was actually doing it wrong for a while because I would just switch to the wide lens thinking, all right, I'm going to make a macro shot now. And I wouldn't see the problem. It's only when you start with the One X. Once you know that it's going to happen, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think this was one of those things that early reviewers saw as something that was sort of un-Apple-like and kind of pounced on and... I don't know. In in real life, it's not that big of a deal.
0: I think it, it's, you know, it's <clears throat> funny you said that it's on Apple-like. I think it's exactly Apple-like. And here's why. Mm. The people at Apple said, you know what? You're trying to take a close-up image. We're going to switch to the camera that does a better job. Yeah. And we're not going to, we'll give you the option. You know, they've given us the option now to turn that off, which mm-hmm. I love. But they're going to say, you know, for most people, we just want to give you what you want. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure that's printed on a big wall somewhere at Apple. Just give them what they want. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if in a future um release we maybe a software update or a future hardware update that we don't get an auto switching between all three cameras. Where you're taking a portrait and they're like, you know, we think that you're comp- you'd like this composition better, and it just goes pleep. <laughs> You're going to like the the wide camera instead of the telephoto for this one. And then people could be like, no, no, I wanted the other one. And you can switch back. But to be able to have that AI say, you know what? We might be able to help you with this.
1: Actually, it's been doing that for a long time. A lot of people may not realize this, but the camera system will always try to Shoot with whatever will get the best light. Mm-hmm. And this is actually kind of a problem with the telephoto cameras. And I haven't noticed whether it's been doing this as much on the new ones. I, I'm sure it has. But the telephoto camera is not as bright. I think it's F two point eight. Yeah. So so it, it doesn't collect as much light. Whereas the the wide is f1.5. That collects a lot more light. And so If the system determines that more light is needed and it can't get it by just increasing the ISO or extending the shutter speed, it will just switch to the brighter camera and then crop it in. So you're getting a digital zoom and that can result in images that are not so great, but you don't even know that it's happening. And for a long time, I think that was more of a problem because you could tell, you could really tell that it had switched and it was smudgy. Yeah. And whatever Apple has done with their algorithms, with their with their processing and their co-processing chips has really gone a long way toward fixing that. But yeah, it, it's interesting that the, f- phone has been auto switching for a long time it's just because it wasn't such a shift from the wide to the close focusing ultra wide mode that's
0: where it became noticeable right Whereas where you actually saw this, the aspect it, change where you saw the the field of view change yeah um, exactly you know I, this i think what you're talking about is the deep fusion stuff right so especially with portraits that the cameras are working together to create better focus on the subject, right? And they're really, really getting good at It used to just be in portrait mode. you would get this, but I think it's kind of bleeding over into all the other modes, mm-hmm. um, where your camera's really thinking about what you're trying to do, and yeah. work ahead to, to make that happen for you. And I, I love that. I think that's an Apple character trait that is appreciated for me. When I'm using my iPhone, I don't want full molecular control over the process. I want it to work with one hand quickly, right? Yeah. Sometimes yes. I'm on, in a hurry and I just want the shot. I do want to say, though, I think we can shift gears a little bit and say, what, what if we want fuller control? What if we want more of that? Apple gives us some of that in the app, but I wanted to bring mm-hmm. up an app that you and I both love a lot and get into okay, this a little bit. But you want to, you want to build on something first.
1: I want to say one more thing. So this is my chance to like step on that and put it aside for a second. We'll loop back. Okay. Um, Because an excellent example of what you were just talking about is the cinematic mode. Yes. And this cinematic mode, there's been a lot of talk about it. It was the sort of most flashy feature of all. So of course it got a lot of attention. And what it does is when you're shooting video, it will blur the area behind a subject if somebody else is in the frame, then it can rack focus. It can change the focus to the other person. Now, a and lot of things are later. happening. You
0: can do this. You can also do post, this later.
1: Yeah. So so a lot of things are happening. A, all of the, the blurring that you see is artificial. Mm-hmm. And it's also using some smarts so that if there are two people in the frame and one person turns toward the other, then the AI says, oh, now it's time to, to focus on the other face here. Mm-hmm. Because everything is artificial, that, that blur is completely inorganic, then you can edit it later and you can you can put in different points to say, I want the focus to be here at this point and here at this point. Mm-hmm. And so like so much of that technology is already
0: happening, which is super cool. And I think we'll only get better. Yeah, you know, I really do think it's brilliant. Because what they're saying is the look that you want, we get the look that you want. You want the cinematic, shallow depth of field look, but you don't want to have to nail that focus in the actual moment. We're going to give you the option to nail it later. And I love that. It's something we can't do with our real cameras, right? You either get it or you don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it throw a lot of photos away that aren't in focus. Um, and in yeah. this case, it's giving you that option to fix it and and make it exactly what you want it to look like.
1: Speaking of making it look exactly as you want. Now let's go back to having more control because they, you, you do not have a lot of control with the app. And that's the whole point. That's mm-hmm. Apple's point. Like you don't have to know anything about any of this and you're going to get a great image.
0: But sometimes you do. Mm -hmm. So what do you use? Well, there's lots of options, but there's really one really great one that you and Mm -hmm. I both really like. And it's by a company down in San Francisco called Halide. At least the app is called Halide.
1: The app is called Halide, yeah.
0: These folks are brilliant. So one of the things I really appreciate about the Apple ecosystem is they say, you know what? We're going to build these cameras into our phones and we're going to make... Them do all of this amazing stuff automatically. You don't even have to think about it. You're just going to be creative and have fun with it. But if someone wants to make an app that leverages all of this technology with more microscopic control, they are welcome to do that. And you can put this app on there. And that no real camera does this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everything's so proprietary in the camera world. But Apple says, "Hey, make an app. We'll sell it. You know, you can sell it through our app store," and it gives you this granular control, and Halide does that. It's such a brilliant app. It. I wanted to add something to the macro discussion really quick. If you have an iPhone 12 Pro, you can actually pull off a lot of this macro stuff that we were talking about with the 12 Pro. If you use the Halide app, they've mm-hmm. figured out a way to kind of hack the 12 Pro camera system to get closer focusing distances, which is pretty cool. What they've done in the 13 Pro is they've given you full control over exposure. So if you want the image to be darker or lighter, you can go fully manual on that. Uh, They also control where you're focusing. So you can have manual control, or obviously you can have the tap to focus, which is what the native camera app will do as well. But it also does this great raw image file, which is beautiful. I mean, it's as good an image as you can get out of these phones. And it's a great little app. It's pretty easy to use. And these folks have kind of figured out how to take Apple's technology and add a little bit of secret sauce to make it that much better. And so on my screen, I've got the native camera app and then right above it is Halide. And depending on the situation, I'll tap one of those buttons to take my photo. I always enjoy the Halide stuff. It's really fun because it does give me that measure of control. It's worth mentioning that the cameras in the iPhones are fixed aperture cameras. So the mm-hmm. apertures we've been mentioning, you know, 1.5, 1.8, 2.8, those aren't changeable. So we can't do what we do in our real cameras, which is, you know, I want to close it down and get a deeper depth of field. We don't get to do any of that. We also don't get to have a lot of control over ISO in the native camera app, but in Halide, you can flex ISO and you can flex shutter speed to get the looks you want. And that is as close to full manual control as you're going to find on a device like the iPhone.
1: Yeah. Plus, Halite is adding and incorporating the neural filters, and it's incorporating the AI technology. In fact, it'll even use some of that uh, machine language processing on their macro images mm-hmm. to make things even a little bit crisper, yeah. which is even better. Yeah. Yes.
0: So what I mean by neural, right, is it's taking multiple images, combining them. It's using some some machine learning. It's being smart about the, what's the subject and what's not. Uh, yeah. And it's it is. It's pretty amazing. I haven't done a lot of macro work with the Halide app. Uh, I need to dig in and do that it, it, because mm-hmm. it's more manual. It's takes more work. Right, it takes more time. Yeah. But looking at their demo images on their on their blog, it was stunning. It's like wow, that that is definitely worth. If you want a really crisp macro shot, it's worth a few seconds to go into their app and dial it in that way. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about the screen real quick, Jeff, because it, okay. This device that we're carrying around this camera that we're carrying around, isn't just the device we create photos with. It's also the device that we consume a lot of photos with. Right. Right. I look at hundreds and hundreds of images every day on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Yeah. And I really love the screen on the iPhone 13 pro it's, I would say if I put it next to the 12, which I couldn't do because I actually had to turn my 12 in when I got my 13, (laughs) it seems like it's just a lot brighter, a lot better Mm -hmm. contrast. The numbers say it is, but let's talk about some specs real quick. It's what they call a super retina XDR. What does that mean? It's got 120 Hertz refresh rate, which is stunning. As you're scrolling through photos, as you're zooming in and out, things are going to refresh a lot faster. The brightness of the screen is up to 1200 nits. And that's pretty darn bright. And it's got a 2 million to 1 contrast ratio, which is probably, compared to the LCD on the back of my Sony, I think the Sony maybe is a million to 1. Mm -hmm. You know, this is twice as contrasty. So the HDR images that we're looking at that our phones can make, when we look at them on the phone, they are everything. You see the deep blacks, you see the highlights, it's the rich color tones all the way through the spectrum. It's really an amazing little screen. And I think that it's easy to forget that this isn't just a camera. It's also our, it's our internet device. So what you say about that?
1: I totally agree. It's funny. um, Part of using new phones like this is that you use it a little bit and you're like, wow, this, wow, that, wow, this. And then it just kind of blends in. So, for example, I don't notice the refresh rate because it's smooth. It's like Mm -hmm. it blends in. It works so well versus other phones that I've used where you're like, I'm going to swipe. And then there's just a little bit of a lag or maybe it's jumpy or something like that. You notice it. Here, it's good. So you don't notice it. And it's just it's a brilliant way to look at, like you said, at your photos. This is something that I think we brought up in our last episode, but i I, I feel like I need to again, just because it keeps uh, getting me, and not specific to the to the phone, but when we were importing photos and, and reviewing photos, you had your your iPad, which also has the uh, pro promotion display. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many nits the iPad Pro has but it's
0: it's it's a lot of nits. I think nits. it's 1000. So it's really close to the 1200 of the phone. It's okay. right in that ballpark, yeah. yeah.
1: And I had my 2019 MacBook Pro and there were so many times <laughs> when we were like at a coffee shop sitting outside or at a picnic table where we were camping and what you could see on your iPad was so clear because you only brought your iPad. You didn't bring a computer. Mm-hmm. You could see the detail you could edit your photos, you could review them. I was struggling. I would crank the the brightness all the way up, and yet still wouldn't quite be enough, but I didn't want to go all the way up because I had to conserve battery life and uh if only there was like a new MacBook pro that I could consider no no, no that'll be a different that'll be a different episode. Future episode, future episode. <laughs> <Future episode. laughs> alert but alert. yeah, just just the 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 fact that you could see the images in such greater detail on the iPad and the phone compared to this perfectly great 16-inch three-year-old screen, two-year-old screen, sorry, it's only two years old, really struck me. Yeah. And so, yeah, screen quality is everything, especially, again, when you have failing eyesight like we did. <laughs> Go back to episode three. Episode three, <laughs> yeah, with the eye doctor. <laughs> Learn more
0: about eyesight, yeah. You know, I think that to use an analogy, these screens are like coffee. You know, if we go back and think about the screens on our early Mac laptops, even on our early Macs, uh, yeah. any computer back in the day, we thought that was great. We thought it was just fine. It was cool and it'd be like drinking Folgers, right? If all you'd ever had for coffee <laughs> was Folgers, you'd be like, man, this stuff, it's, 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 it's good. It gives me some caffeine. Doesn't taste too bad. And then you go have some really good coffee. There's somebody who knows what they're doing made. And you go, wow, that's so much more. You've got yeah. this broad dynamic range. You've got all of this stuff. I have the iPad Pro, the big iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch, the latest version with the super, I don't even know what they call these, ProMotion
1: displays, right? <laughs> I think it's also the Super Retina XDR. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's, so it's basically just a big, big screen version of my current iPhone 13 screen. I got used to that screen pretty quickly and I picked up my daughter's iPad, which is one of our hand-me-downs, right? So what we do in our house is when we get one of the adults gets an iPad, the kids get one that's been yep. broken in. And so I picked up my daughter's iPad the other day and I turned it on. I'm like, how do you even look at this? You know, how do you even, <laughs> you know, and it'd be like taking a big old swig of folders. You'd be like, Pff. you know, that's, that's the worst <laughs> stuff I've ever had. You get used to these screens and I've got one of the new MacBook pros on order and I am so excited. One of the most exciting parts of that whole concept of that new machine is that they've put a big old promotion 120 Hertz screen on that. And I cannot wait to feast my eyes on that because my tired old eyes are getting tired of looking at this IMAX screen, which I'm sure uh, is just fine, but it's not awesome. It's not great.
1: Yeah. One last thing. You came to me one day and you were like, look at this video that I shot. And it was a video of salmon spawning or in a tank. (laughs) Yeah, little teeny. little little teeny, yeah. We were next to a little fish hatchery. And you just plonked your phone into the water to get this video. And then, of course, I did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the whole time thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm destroying my phone. But... That's not the case. It's waterproof to I don't know, something like probably six feet mm-hmm. for X amount of, of duration. I mean, you don't want to just go swimming with it for any long extended
0: time, but it's waterproof. It's waterproof for, for all yeah. intents and purposes. It is life proof. You know, I remember <laughs> we used to have these cases we put on our phones, right? I don't know if you've ever had one, but at one point I think I had a, a water resistant case. Mm-hmm. And you had to do a lot to make that phone weather resistant. And it was a pain and it made it big and clunky. Now it just yeah. comes that way. And yeah, I took the case off. I have a leather case on mine. So I have the iPhone 13 Pro Max. And mm-hmm. I took the le- the leather case off and just dunked the end with the cameras on it into the water at this fish hatchery. And it was gross water, right? It was pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, it, totally was. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> <laughs> slimy. So I stuck it in there and I got the video. I'll put it in the show notes. The video of these these little fish swimming around it was just fun. It was like, wow, like, you know, that would not be possible with any of my other cameras. And I think about that all the time. This is just a, the device. Not only do you have it with you all the time, but it'll take what you give it. I mean, I get mine dirty a lot. I'm a woodworker when I'm not doing this stuff yeah. and I'll be out in the shop working and I'll come back in and my, my phone is just all covered in sawdust and it's all smudged up and stuff. And I'll just take the case off, turn my kitchen sink on, get it for the big lathery hands. And I, lather up my phone and scrub it. And then I rinse it all off and dry it off, put it back in its case and it's spotless. Yeah. That is amazing. We can't take that for granted that these things are ready to take whatever we give them. And as a camera, that's oftentimes a choice that you have to make if you're out in inhospitable conditions. Wow. I don't know if I can take my camera out and make a photo, but if you have your iPhone, of course you can just take it out and take a photo.
1: Yeah. I don't know if my lens is actually, uh, water sealed. So even though it's it's just raining, I probably should keep the camera in the bag. You know, that, that, that kind of decision.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll take my big cameras out in the rain. I don't want people to think that we're sissies, but you know, we, (laughs) I mean, I, it was pouring down rain this weekend when I was shooting the soccer games and that camera got good and wet and it'll, they'll take a fair bit of abuse, but I'm not going to dip my Sony into a fish tank. No, no. (laughs) Not, oh, I can do it once. I can do it once, but that's going to be it. So yeah, it sort of puts a bow on this. This camera system is ready to take whatever you can throw at it. And it makes making photographs easier. It makes sharing your photographs easier. It makes documenting your world easier and more fun. And finally, I think yeah, it's finally, it's not the right way to say this. Apple progressively makes these cameras better every year. And a lot of people like to get online and poo-poo, you know, oh, it's not a revolutionary change. I'm like, what do you expect every 12 months? Do you want them to have a fusion drive, (laughs) you know, like a cold fusion battery system? I don't know what people are expecting Apple to come up with, but I think this is a huge evolution over the 12, which I thought was a big evolution over the last one I had the 11. Yeah. And so I think it's damn great. And it's going to be a camera that I suggest to a lot of people. It's a, it's a camera system that is well worth the money. Definitely.
1: So there are a bunch of things that we didn't even get to uh, some more of the AI stuff, shooting ProRes video, which mm-hmm. is now possible with uh, iOS 15.1, a whole bunch of other things. So, if you are listening to this and you have other questions, as you can tell, we are happy to expound upon them. <laughs> so go to the Photocombobulate website, photocombobulate.com. Drop us a note there or contact us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, all of the all of the medias. And uh, we would love to answer your questions, see how you're using it. How is it? phone photography changing your life? Is it changing your life? We're just going to assume that it is in some way because it's it's such a change for so many things in our society right now. But we want to hear from you. So let us know some more about this and tell us, do we need to follow up with something that's just talking about video? Or I don't even know what else. (laughs) I mean, we got the waterproof in, we got the dark dark modes.
0: It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Amazing, amazing system. Go out and have fun with them if you've got one. And if you're wondering if you should upgrade, I think if you have a 12 pro, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not critical, but it is worth it. If you really want the best camera in a phone, if you're wondering if how it compares to comparable phones out there, you know, Android phones and the, the new Google Pixel and the Sony Xperia cameras and all of that. I'm going to point you to DP Review and yes. those guys are going to be able to tell you the differences. Uh, we are obviously fully invested in the Apple ecosystem. <laughs> so I'm not out there rocking a Pixel to see if it's better because I don't really yeah. care. Unless Google wants to send us one. Oh, sure. I'd play with it. Totally open for that. Yeah, I'm not going to keep it. (laughs) I do want to ask if you're a listener to the podcast, if you would go ahead and rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast apps that you use. We'd sure appreciate it. It does help us reach more people when people engage with those uh, systems. So let's wake up the algorithms a little bit. And get us, some, uh, get us some juice. We've got some pretty fun episodes coming up. So please subscribe and join our mailing list. If you go to photocombobulate.com, a little pop-up will ask you if you want to join the mailing list. And that will just, we'll just send you an email every other week when the episodes go live just to remind you to check in and, and listen to the latest episode. We won't bug you with anything else.
1: Do you think we photocombobulated this? I think
0: we, we did very well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Until next time.
0: Take care, everybody fun